The rich have always made the rules. Rules about tax savings, social security, required minimum distributions, financial do's and don'ts. But they don't tell you what those rules are. Because if you knew the rules, you could take advantage of them like the wealthy do. Where do you go to learn about these rules? And how do you take advantage of them for your benefit? Learn about your financial power on the Total Financial Hour with host Arif Halaby, Sundays at 11 a.m. on AM870, The Answer. That's Sundays at 11 a.m. on AM870, The Answer. The information on this show is not intended to be the primary basis for investment decisions and should not be used to provide financial advice. Please obtain the guidance of a financial professional regarding your particular financial concerns. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. This program reflects the views of Arif Halavi, California Insurance License 0B93792 of TFS Financial Insurance Services. TFS Financial Insurance Services, California Insurance License Number 0F22477, provides retirement income strategies using insurance and annuity products, which are guaranteed by the claims-paying ability of the issuing company. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, total financial power. Now higher income strategies. Learn from Arab Halaby. Hey guys, welcome to the show. Thanks for staying with me. My name is Arab Halaby, the Total Financial Hour. On your place for news, talk, information, I'm going to give you the phone number out early because sometimes I forget. 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-997-3847. You can always give us a call all throughout the week. Uh, Even over the weekend, sometimes it rings right through. Uh, We certainly have a voicemail system, so you're eligible to give us a call, leave a message. We appreciate you being there for us. And and your questions. You know, sometimes the, the show is built actually by you guys. It's what I hear from our clients on a regular basis. You know, in fact, I can tell you, I, um, with permission, of course, I met with Dennis recently, and uh, he and Sue he, aren't any different than you guys. It, it's funny to me, right? You guys know Dennis Prager, you know Larry Elder. Uh, when Dennis and I were talking and, and, and Sue and I were talking, they're normal people, right? They have concerns like you and me. We all talk about wanting to make sure that, that the world is a better place. You know, we love puppy dogs and walks in the park. All of those things are nice, but we also have financial questions. And so if you're one of those that have those types of financial questions, if you want solutions, that's what Total Financial Solutions and TFS Financial Insurance Services is all about. We're here for you. All right. Uh, Our show's a little different. I'm not going to throw out percentages and graphs and charts. You know, this, um, I guess we're coming up, coming up on 16 years on the radio. Uh, just about 3,000 shows, uh, sometimes three, four days a week I'm on the air, sometimes once or twice, depending on the, the season and what we're doing and, and the time frame. So this is a good opportunity for you to learn about some of the things, in my opinion, that most of us are never going to learn about in high school or college, right? It, it, what, it, what I mean by that is you've done well, you've saved, but what's next, right? The job of your school, of your education was to teach you how to get a job, how to make money, how to live, how to financially succeed. All of that is important and very good, in fact. But tell me what the next step is when you now have accumulated your money, when you've accumulated whatever wealth or security or safety or pension plans or, or 401ks, what do you do next? So our job is to help you with some or part of your money, to put it in a place where we are guaranteeing and protecting the principal through the insurance companies that we work with, right? If you want safety and security, understand there's two places you can go, banks and insurance companies, right? Banks have a branch on every corner, low interest rate. Insurance companies have one headquarters. They have financial uh, professionals like myself that can represent. 
And don't fall victim to the to the guys that say, oh, we can do everything. We find solution. We find everything. And you go, okay, so that's great. So what are you good at? Well, I'm a financial. Listen, a construction person, I wouldn't hire a general contractor to also be the same person who lays the concrete, does my electrical, does my plumbing. They're going to be good at maybe a couple of things, but what are they great at? Right? There isn't any difference. I fix cars. Well, well transmissions, uh, uh, oil changes, brakes. Right? You wouldn't go to somebody who says, I am the best. I, listen, I can put tires on your car faster than anybody. I know the right ones for your car. And by the way, while I'm at it, I'm going to put in a new transmission. You'd say, well, I, I think I want the transmission guy or gal. I want, I want her to do that. I want you to just, just do what you're good at. In fact, do what you're great at. Do what you do every single day. So when I say fall victim to this is because often the choices, just the amount of time in a day, we can't be great at anything today with the amount of information, studying, uh, licenses, trainings, all the stuff we have to do in our field in every area has its own depth of education. So be careful when somebody has a, a, a thin knowledge but of a lot of things. I'm okay when they learn how to integrate it, how to talk about it. We can do that. We've done that. I've been licensed in, in most of these areas you know, most of my adult life, so, so that's fine. But learning how to ask the right questions, how to integrate it with the rest of your plan, that's kind of important. Right? Don't think about this as, well, how do I just make sure that you know, I have one person who's going to handle everything when they may or may not be great at it. Right? You wouldn't do that with a physician. You wouldn't do that in any other part of your life. Uh, please don't do it with the, the engine that fuels the rest of your life, which is your financial well-being. Okay, I want to talk, to a, uh, talk about a few things today. Uh, the second half of the hour, we're going to talk about these commission-free trades what does it mean to you? Everybody, free, zero, zero trade, zero, zero. Huh. The commercial they just told me about that has zero commission trades, trade for free, costs them money, right? So how, how are they paying for that? You might have been born at night, but it wasn't last night. So you're smart enough to at least ask the question, what's the catch or What's the two catches or three catches, okay? So we'll get to that in a second. But what I want to talk about more importantly is this journey that we're on when it comes to millennials, how they're struggling to save for retirement. So what does that mean to you? Keep this in mind. When you're a millennial, so to speak, or you're that 25, 30, 35, 40-year-old, and you're in this world of working and you're saving and you're trying to build your future, right, all of us, when your student debt and your housing equals, in some cases, 75% of your income, after-tax income, remember, it doesn't matter how much money you make, it, how much you put in your pocket, then your ability to go outside and to save or invest is, is difficult, if not impossible. Now, when you and I were younger, maybe we lived with roommates or you stayed at home and you lived at home until you were 22, 25. 30 till you got off to your start, right? Everybody's got a different journey. And you might have helped your mom out with the electric bill. You might have said, hey, let me pick up groceries today, right? You might maybe, let me give you $200 towards rent. Whatever it is, it isn't the same as going out and saying, and now I'm 21 with a new house, right? The, the costs today 
are such a larger, much larger percentage of your income. Now, you might say, well, that's fine. It doesn't matter. I'm not selling my house. I don't have to worry about supply and demand in the market. On and on. But here's where it matters. When you are buying and selling in, inside of the Wall Street machine, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, and you are putting money into the system, that's fine. When you're working, everybody's working, and you're all buying, buying, buying. Supply and demand. That means the stock prices go up because more people are going after it, right? If I have a pen and I have three pens and 10 people that want to buy it, eventually they will peel off. There just won't be enough people left to be able to afford the pens until the price equals the demand, right? It's a supply and demand. It's a brilliant argument. In fact, it's a brilliant uh, concept. Not perfect, but in my opinion, brilliant. Because value dictates the price, at least the perceived value that I have versus you. However, now flip it around. Now you're retired. Now we have 70 million baby boomers, 10,000 a day hitting age 65. Now, listen, two big things happen. Number one, you're working longer. I get it, right? You used to retire at 65 in 10 minutes. Done. People are working longer. They're working part-time. They're working till age 70 to get a maximum social security benefit. They're doing a lot of things that was not originally in the plan, so to speak, when I started in the financial world 23, 24 years ago as a professional, right? 33 years ago as an investor myself. So we had concepts and ideas that are slightly different today, at least in the end result. But this is where it changes in your life. You are now having to sell those same things, right? Hi there, Mr. and Mrs. Broker. Send me $1,000 a month. Send me $5,000 a month. Hi there, pension. Send me my pension check of $5,000 a month. Where do you think the pensions are invested? Where, where do you think they put the money? Just right, the union. We hate big corporations. Workers, yay. Where do they put the money? For the union pensions, they buy stock, bonds, mutual funds, real estate. They invest in companies. So it's funny when they want to go get them. And then on the other side, they said, oh, but I better get a guaranteed paycheck. Just like you, city, county, state. They, teachers, they invest in the same stock, bond, mutual funds, real estate. So when there are more people, you and others, that are now taking money out of the system, more people that are taking money out of the pension plans and spending it, right? You're going to the grocery store, you're going to the, to the dry cleaner, you're going to the doctor's office, you're taking trips, you're flying on planes, you're buying things. That's all a wonderful experience. But in order to do that, you have to turn the stock bond mutual fund world into cash. Tons of reporting out there over the last five years how corporate America when interest rates were declining, were buying back their own stock, right? They would get, just like you and I, refinance our debt, maybe pay off our debt. Maybe we have extra cash. We take it. What are we going to do with it? We're going to buy more machinery. Well, we just bought a bunch. We're pretty good. Are we going to give our workers pay raises? We did. We just gave them a little bit, big pay raise, 3%. What else are we going to do with the money? Well, let's buy back our own stock. So, for example, fictitious company A, 
there's a million dollars, uh, sorry, a million shares of stock out there. That million shares, if the company buys back 200,000, there's now 800,000 shares for you and me and everybody else to fight over, right? There's fewer of them. Now that's great for the price to go up. So when pricing goes up, it's because there's many of us fighting over fewer pieces. But as that fight continues, you know, I'll give $2, I'll give $2.50, on and on, and it goes up and up until eventually some people say, okay, I'm out, I can't afford it anymore. Some people say, oh, I have a little bit more, I'll go one more, and then they buy it. When that takes place, it's kind of an artificial game because the extra dollars, people think, oh, the company must be doing wonderful. Well, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. The prices have gone up, yeah, because there are more people fighting. But the moment the company that bought the stock back starts to drip it back into the market, because the stock is held as what's called treasury stock. It's held in the company. The moment it starts to drip it back into the market, it can affect prices. This is just economics 101. This is just supply and demand. The moment there's more, the prices can go down. The moment there's less, the prices go up. So as the company sees the value going down, they could start pushing money, uh, start, start pushing stock into the market. Now, there needs to be somebody on the other side to buy it, to absorb it. Okay, now, switch gears. The millennials. They're making big money, some of them. They're paying massive amounts of taxes, some of them. And yet, they're not buying stocks, bonds, mutual funds, and real estate like they used to. For what reason? Well, we mentioned housing expenses and student loans. Look, there's already a massive amount of colleges, at least in recent history, that have gone out of business. Colleges and universities, community college, four-year universities, private, public. There's, quote, consolidations. If you've been involved in business, you know sometimes that's code word for, help, get me out of here, pay off my debt, get me out of the mess that our... uh, our chancellors slash executives got us into financially speaking. Now, I think there's going to be a huge amount of, of uh, colleges, universities, trade schools that are going to start going out of business when they didn't manage themselves properly because along the way, what came to be? Massive amounts, massive amounts of student loan debt. And that massive amount of student loan debt this group of people sat there and said, oh, the gravy train's going to keep coming in. So instead of being fiscally responsible, they transferred the risk. In other words, they aren't any different than Visa or MasterCard, right? When you go buy something at the restaurant, the restaurant says, thanks, man, we're good. We'll take 96% of the bill. I mean, you know that, right? If you, if you have a $100 bill at a, at a Visa, MasterCard, American Express, the restaurant doesn't get all 100 They get 96, 97, whatever it is. And the restaurant's done. They pay their electric bill. They pay their employees. Visa says, hey, 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 we've transferred the debt. You owe me now. Like a loan shark coming right and buying, yo, yo, you now owe me. I bought your debt. And you might say, well, okay, well, how does that have to? Well, the government says, hey, hey, now you owe us. School gave you the product, the service. The restaurant gave you the meal. 
We paid them on your behalf. You now owe me, says the government. Now, who is the government's collection agency? <laughs> it's the IRS. Right? The IRS has the power to go through everything in your life. Right? If you owed you know, Joe the plumber, he had to sue you, get a judgment, get a charging order, go and collect. There were some things Joe the plumber had to do. But if you're the IRS, these are government workers. They get paid the same whether they hurt you or not. In fact, the IRS gets bonuses when they collect more money from you. Right? So, so they hit, hit the button and say, find me everything that this guy owns. And it goes, here's everything he owns. Here's everything she owns. Great. Start um, putting liens on bank accounts, canceling their nursing license, suspend his or her passport. Depending on how much you owe, they're not gentle people. Listen, if you owe it, you owe it. You've you got to figure out a plan to pay it. Contact them. Get in touch with them. Work through the process. Right? Some con, uh, conversation or communication is much better than pretending like the old child in the closet closing his or her eyes and putting their fingers in their ear and going, la, 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 la. If you don't see me, says the IRS, then I must not be here because I can't see you. So this is important you know this because you might say, well, I don't owe taxes. I don't have student loans. Uh, Somebody has to pay that. And you can't get blood from a turnip. And if our millennials or college students that have 75,000 in student loan debt and yet at the same time on the other end of the plan, they're making $28,000 a year, when and how do you expect them to pay it? Uh, I mean, I don't know the answer to that. You, you have to know when and how. Because for them, in order to pay it, they, they can't buy a house. They can't invest in their 401k. They can't buy stock, bond, mutual funds, real estate. Do you get it? So... My concern is there's a huge absorption that has to take place. I don't know when it's going to happen. Nobody does, right? We always say that every five years there's a recession, right? That's the the, the game that they say on these business channels. I don't know. I don't know if it happens sometimes every seven, eight, 10, 12, I don't know. But we are certainly way overdue. I think we're entering, what, about 118 or 120 months or something of pure growth, which is basically a decade, 10 plus years, right? As that starts to happen, what what do you and others do when it comes to uh, the guarantees that you need, the financial needs? Do I think you should put everything in one place? No, I think you should be smart about your money. What do you need to have for a guaranteed source of income? Take that number. There's a little math formula. And you say, okay, I need to have this much money. Great. That's what we can put in safety products. Ways to, to, that are safer, that where we don't go backwards when the market goes backwards. Because I think for a lot of people, they don't have a sense, right? Most of us, anyway, don't have a sense of what it's like to live in a time when there's scarcity. Right? Have you ever seen seniors? I mean, it's always funny to me. We used to see it a lot more, but people that would go through the Great Depression, 
you go to their house, you open up the garage. Right now they call them hoarders or, or whatever they call it. But back then, you know, you'd see two cases of toilet paper, three cases of salt and sugar, chocolates and cocoa powder and nylons. Well, what's the common theme with all of that? That was the rationing that took place in World War II and in the Great Depression. Most people had no clue what it's like to not be able to do certain things because you get to go to the big box store. You drive to the, hey, I'll stop by the liquor store. I'll pick this up. Thanks. I'll stop by uh, uh, this convenience store. Uh, let me run into the grocery store. There's 42 you know, types of, uh, of apples. Which one do you want? Right? We have no idea what it's like to live at a time or a place when the system is running smoothly. So my only concern for yours is, you know, keep in mind that you want some or part of your money safe. That's what we do. Right? Find an expert for safety and an expert for risk. I want, if you're going to have some money at risk, you get the best person where this is all they do. I don't want somebody who on Tuesday I do this and on Friday I do that. No, no, no. I want somebody, if you're going to risk my money, where I know there's a chance I could lose it, I know the market can go down, I know it can go up, I could make big money, then my contention is you find the person who this is all they do. If they start going down the road of, oh, we can do this, we could do this, we could, I have an expert in my office that does it. Listen, you know what? I just, want, I just want you to do something because here's where the challenge comes in. We always counted on the next generation to make extra cash. Put it in the bank, put it in the mutual funds, put it in the stocks, put it in the bonds, put it in real, whatever. We always counted on them coming right behind us, buying what we're selling, right? The reason that millennials are buying houses from baby boomers and baby boomers bought houses from their, the greatest generation, it's simple. The greatest generation, there was a smaller amount. I don't know, I'm going to be close, probably 40 million of them. So 40 million people. Well, they had 77 million kids. So you had 77 million kids, and you know there's some immigration in there as well. So of course the house prices. Yeah, I bought a house for 42,000, sold it for 600. Well, yeah, that's what your parents did, because there were more people fighting for that house. Now all of a sudden, you say, "Hey, I bought a house for 600,000. Do you think you're going to sell it for two and a half million? Maybe you will. But hey, baby boomers." You guys didn't have the same amount of kids. You just didn't. And that's already in the books. That's done. Right? Those are kids that are born from 65 to, let's say, 82, something like that. We know how many they are. It's probably 25, 30, 40 million. A lot less than the 70. Right? That was the latchkey kid. Remember the latchkey kid generation? You had one child. Came home because came home mom and dad worked came home with the key around their neck. That's where the latch key opened the house. Mom called at 3.30. You're home? Yes, there's something in the refrigerator for lunch. I'll be home to make dinner by 6. Your dad will be home by 7. Right? It's, listen, it's when abortion became legal. How many more people would we have? Right or wrong uh, as far as uh, uh, the amount of people born in poverty, whether they would have made a lot of money or not. Um, I, I, listen, I don't think that's a good thing, but you got to ask yourself, how many more people 
would be here, paying taxes, buying houses, investing, saving, that aren't. It's the same time when there was this push, and, and again, right or wrong, it's up to you, that said, hey, women, uh, you don't have to be married to be happy. You don't have to have children to be happy. It's just about you. And they did. Right? I, I had uh, my teeth cleaned recently. Lady's a wonderful lady. Super nice. I said, you know what? You've been doing this for a while for me. Uh, I didn't even ask. Do you have children? Are you married? Never been married. Never had kids. Now, that's weird to her parents' generation. But to your generation, maybe it isn't. So now we pay the price for the next 15, 20 years until these millennials can afford a house and put money in the stock bond market. What are we going to do? Well, we'll see. All right, when you come back, I've got some commission-free trade story. Uh, I'm going to give you what's reported. It's not my opinion. Sometimes I'll tell you my opinion. This is what is reported when we come back. On your place for news, talk, and information, 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-997-3847. We'll be right back. I'm Eric Halaby. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power. Hey, welcome back. Thanks for staying with me. Eric Halaby, the Total Financial Hour, 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-997-3847. The Total Financial Hour, uh, Total Financial Solutions and TFS Financial Insurance Services. Uh, look, we like what we do because as a firm, our job is to, to keep things simple and easy to understand. It's what our clients want. So uh, that, that is always my primary objective, uh, clarity uh, and, of course, truth. The, the key is to understand that, number one, you're never going to get 100% of everything. This isn't a four-year class in 30 minutes. Now, why am I giving you that premise? Because I want to explain to you in a nutshell, basically, simply, how a bank works. And prior to that, I want to explain to you why this big push on this commission-free trades and what's happening where you're, you can do whatever you want with these online brokerage companies, etc. First of all, go back to your gut instinct, right? It's that same gut instinct that said, you know what? Don't take the elevator, take the stairs. The same gut instinct that says, you know, I'm going to walk this way instead of that way. I don't like my sister's boyfriend. My best friend's husband is kind of weird, right? You have those gut instincts. They used to call them women's intuition. Same thing. I think men have it as well. We just don't maybe use it as much. Maybe we're not in tune. Maybe it just doesn't have a name. I don't know. So, kind of have a suspicious eye whenever somebody's giving you something for free. Like, what's the catch? Where's the catch? Simply put, a lot of these free trades uh, give people the option, a lot of these online brokerage companies, to have built, quote, built-in portfolios. Well, when you build in those portfolios, that means they have a predetermined set of places to put your money. And one of those is very clearly... Cash, money market. That's great. Nothing wrong with that. 
all sorts of reasons. Keep it uh, protected. Keep it in just in case there's a decline. We have the chance to run in and buy more at a discount, time the market, whatever their goal is or their rationale. You might say that that's sounds like a prudent way to go. So my word, where are they getting the money from to pay their electric bill, to pay the person that answers the phone, the amazing website, the commercials I saw last night, how, how do they get those, those dollars? Right, that's that gut instinct I want you to check. Here's, the, here's a, a piece of it. I'm not, I can't give you everything, of course, because this isn't the place for it. But here's the catch, one of the catches. The money that sits in your, the cash or money market accounts, because all of these institutions have a banking relationship. They either are a bank or, quote, their partner, which is the same name but a, but, you know, a different corporation. You know, it has a different symbol or something. But anyway, they are basically all the same. The money that sits in your cash account is in turn lent out. So they pay you 0.2%, uh, 0.5%, whatever they're paying you in, quote, the cash account. But the other side of it is charging, uh, giving loans out, right? You probably have their company credit card where you can swipe it at 13%. Or you're a bank and you, you've refinanced your house. We've had clients that have come. Yeah, I got my house from uh, you know, uh, brokerage company X. Reality is it's the banking side of them. And they're using your money on deposit to make 6 7 8% pay you one and keep the spread. Now, they've always been doing that. It's just what they've done. It's always. So that is where the a huge amount of profit comes from for these large companies like the Merrill Lynch's, and the TD Ameritrade's, the Charles Schwab's. Listen, none of them are bad people. I'm not saying that. I just want you to double check all of this. See what you find. Right? Am I okay with that? If you are, then, then keep going. But just don't give up your gut instinct. You're not receiving something for nothing. All right? That's important as we go through this because here's how a bank works. Now, set that aside and let's talk about a banking system in general. I always think you should have six months, maybe even a year's worth of your expenses in cash or cash equivalents. You can maybe use some of that brokerage account cash, right? If you just have a, an account there, and you're, okay, great. I'll just put some money aside. Why do I think you should have it? Because there could be emergencies along the way, right? You might need it for a new roof on the house or, uh, you know, what do I receive back today when I had to paint my, my house, right? My house is probably 20 years old. I had to paint it. The last time I was painted 20 years ago, now it's time to paint the house. The house doesn't magically go up in value. My payment doesn't decrease. I don't receive monthly payments from somebody for painting the outside of my house, but that was thousands of dollars that had to go to keep the main asset uh, healthy, strong, protected from the elements. All right, so sometimes there are things like that where you're not going to expect a return. You might say, well, if I fix my car, I can drive to work. Okay, well, then that's great. If there's an emergency, you fix your car, you drive to work. But but you're not going to get paid more money this week because you fixed your car last week. You'll just get paid the same. So those dollars for emergencies are very important. And as you're saving each month in retirement, you should still continue to save. 
retirement or part-time work or partial retirement or past age 65 when you're cutting back your time doesn't mean you don't save anymore. Right? Maybe you're not saving as much, but it doesn't mean that you don't that you spend 100% that comes in the door. All right, including some of your financial accounts. If you have annuities that are paying you, if you have 401k withdrawals, right? We use fixed or fixed indexed annuities primarily as a main component as the foundation well, as the center. Because we need to know that next week, next month, we need to know that if you pass away, no matter what, these dollars will be there. All right? So that's the, that's the part of the process for you to say, how do I create uh, you know, guarantees and securities and protections, et cetera? Well, you have to look. Because a bank is, is insured what's called FDIC insurance. It's $250,000. It's great. It used to be a hundred thousand before the crisis. Basically, it was a hundred thousand for many, many years, decades, and then they updated it and moved it to two hundred and fifty thousand. But how does a bank work? If you go in and you make a deposit of a of a hundred thousand dollars, say I want to open a CD or put it in my savings account or whatever, a bank now has a hundred thousand to lend, right? No. A bank has, has to keep a certain amount of reserves. I don't know, 8%, 10%, whatever the number is, on reserve account. That means cash or cash equivalent. The rest of the money can be lent out. Now, based on monetary policy, if they want to borrow money from you, well, that's what they just did, but they're, not, they're paying you, you know, 0.3% interest to borrow money from you. But if Mary comes in and says, hey, I want to borrow... 300,000, where does she get where does the bank get the money from? Well, they have 90,000 from you. And then they go to the system, the banking system, the Federal Reserve System, the Fed or other banks and they say, "Hey guys, we have a loan, we need to borrow money from you to turn around and lend it to Mary." And based on the monetary policy at the time, they're actually allowed to lend out maybe another five times, maybe another 10 times. So for every $10,000 that they keep in cash, cash equivalent, or what's called reserves, they might lend out maybe, I don't know, $500,000, $300,000. They have cash of $10,000 and a loan of three hundred. Now, see, here's the difference. They borrowed the three hundred from the Federal Reserve. So that's a debt. They have to pay it back. But they lent it to you. On your side of the balance sheet, I know I'm getting confusing. Stay with me. We'll we'll switch in just a sec. On your side of the balance sheet, that means my assets and my liabilities. That loan is a liability to you. You have to pay it back and interest. But to the bank, you are an asset. That's why people that have managed loans well, they've borrowed money, they're good with with loans. I had a friend who, whose wife worked at a bank and he was a, a police officer, a senior police officer with a, a good job making, I don't know, 80, 100,000 a year. His wife worked as a manager for a bank, nothing, nothing too high, but a manager. But he had a dozen rental properties. They had massive amounts of investments. They had equity in these properties. 
Every couple of months, every six months, he'd want to buy a new investment property. All he would do is send over his recent 1099s or W-2s or paycheck stubs. And he'd send over a copy of bank statements that weren't held at that institution. He didn't even have to do a whole, you know, credit check and let's, we'll wait and we're going to talk to 15 people. They said, no, no, no. We pulled your credit report. We know you're pretty darn good. We want to lend you money. How quickly can we give you money, says the bank? Because they need as much on their, their balance sheet on the asset side as possible. They need as much money making them money called the spread more than they're paying out as possible. All right. Hope you followed me. Now let's go back to these institutions where they're free trade, trading you, you're trading, trading, free, free. Now you might say, listen, I don't care what they do with my money as long as it's insured and guaranteed. Okay, good. Good. But trust your gut. Is there such thing as something free? Especially when you're dealing with banks, right? Maybe back in the blue chip stamps days or the green stamps. Remember that? You put them on a a booklet, you take it in, and you get a toaster. Put it on a booklet, take it into the grocery store, you get you know, a coffee mug and a saucer until you fill it all up and you get a whole plate of china and well those kinds of things are nice and maybe they're free but may, you know there's always a hidden cost but you got to watch yourself okay if you need the risk go for it take it but i need you to to kind of focus on what it is that you're giving up and if you're willing to give it up fantastic just don't go in blind Okay, the banking system works in our country because of a, a confidence that we have. We have an assurance with the FDIC. That's how it works. All right? So uh, I encourage you, if, if this is interesting to you, that you, you do some research and figure out how does it work, what are the deposits, how does it, uh, uh, what are the reserve requirements. Right? A bank is insured. Well, they have to be because they only have 10 cents on every dollar that you deposited in cash or cash equivalents. So they have to go find it when you ask for it. You're like, hey, that's why if you have a huge balance at a bank and you just walk in, you say, hey, I'd like uh, 250000 I have my CD and I'm just closing it out. I just wanted it. small bills. <laughs> Give me my money. Oh, well, you can't do that, sir. What do you mean? It's my money. Well, I want, give me my money. They'll say, well, we can have, this is Tuesday. We'll have the cash delivered to you Back here on Friday. So come Friday and... So why do they do that? Well, because your money isn't locked in a drawer in the back. It's out. They have to go to other banks, other banking systems. They have to ask for it, right? Wells Fargo borrows from B of A. B of A borrows from Chase. And Chase borrows from Wells Fargo. It's, it's, it's all a circle. And when they all have run out of money and they say, oh, we'll go borrow from the Federal Reserve. So that's where this the shift happens. Look, there's a reason when President Obama gave billions of dollars, I think 1.8 billion or something crazy to the to the Iranians, what did they do? They loaded it up on a couple maybe one or two 747s. Bunch of different currencies, right? Euros, Swiss francs. That was probably one of the most treasonous things that anybody's ever done to a sworn enemy, someone who undermines us throughout 
and he used the banking system, cash, load it up, fly it on a plane, drop it off. Never had to answer, never had to account for any of that. Like, why didn't somebody say, hey, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. You need to testify before Congress. You need to testify in front of the American people for 10 hours. Tell us what you're thinking, why you did that. Right? So the banking system is used good and bad by some people and other people that are designed to fund, to create, and then they just print money. Right? It's not a... It's, it's, it's a different system. So that's what's happening. A lot of these, these commission-free trades, it's, they're using your money to lend it out. And when they do that, they're creating a net profit. So they're actually making money by keeping some of your money in cash or cash equivalents. Because it used to be that they would charge you a fee when your money was at risk. And they still do. Most of them still do. It's, it's not the... Uh, this is just the online brokerage side of things. But in a traditional broker, right, your money's at risk, they charge a fee. Your money goes to the money market account, the broker can't make a fee. The institution might do a spread and, and lend it out, right? They might have their own banking system. But the brokerage side of things doesn't get to charge a fee on money that's not at risk, generally. So, of course, they want to rebalance the portfolio to balance the balance of the rebalance. Maybe they're doing it for the right reason, but I don't know. Maybe not. Ask yourself, if you're rebalancing my account right towards the end of the month or the end of the quarter, which is the time when fees are assessed, is that for my interest or yours? Why don't we buy it after the second of the month and then get me out on the 28th of the month? I don't know. Right? So there's some there's some questions. So... Ask those questions of your financial professionals. See if it makes sense to you. If it does, great. If not, you just want to know. All right. I want to uh, switch gears a little bit because part of what I think is, is important as we go through this is to realize in your financial life, there's going to be various times when you're going to be asked for a loan from your family. Right? There's going to be a time when you say, hey, I need to... Your, your family says, I need to borrow money. Especially if they think you have more money than you need. Right? I want you always to keep it close to the vest. Don't tell people, oh, I have a million dollars sitting in my checking account. Right? Eh, probably not a, not a wise move. So what do you do when your family wants to borrow money? Well, it depends. A couple of different choices. If you are the bank of Smith, <laughs> the bank of Jones and you are the bank for your family, and you've created a, a, uh, a reputation where you are handing out money for free, then you need to be, be careful about it. I, I think that's not a wise move. I think you need to question whether or not that's the best path going forward now that you are retired and your income is no longer coming in the front door. Okay, so I don't know. I think that's a problem. Second, is what if it's that same person over and over and it's a child? What do you do? You love them. Of course, you always have. But I'm a parent. All of us know when our child is not doing their best. We all know when they're being a little sneaky or cheating or, or uh, dishonest, right? My parents could, 
could read me if when I had something wrong. What's wrong, Eric? Nothing. Well, they know that's not accurate. Right? They know my whole life that something was right, not right. When it wasn't, they knew how to ask for it. Right? So how do you turn down the, the loan for your child if you do? Maybe you don't. The second is, is it a full business decision? Right? You might say to yourself, this is a full finding. I'm expecting to make money on this loan. All right. So what do you do? So here's how I want you to handle it. If you are willing to never see the money again, in other words, it's not money that you're counting on to pay your mortgage in five months. It's not money you're counting on to, buy, to pay off uh, your vacation home in a year. So when the money comes back, along with some interest, I'll pay it off. If it is money that you are counting on for that kind of a story, then I need to have you button up everything. That means I want a contract. I want it notarized. I want an attorney to put it together. I want them to sign it. I want you to sign it. My favorite thing in the world, if you're going to borrow money, is to put a lien on something. Put first position on their home or second position on their home. Right? Let's say there's a certain amount of equity. Oh, there's 300000 equity, but they don't have a good job or they can't qualify for a loan. No problem. You want to l- lend them $50,000. You can lend them 50000 but you put a lien on that house. But that's one part. The second part is this. You better be able to follow through with that contract. You better be able to follow through with that lien. Now, if it's your child and your two grandchildren and, and his, his wife, you're not going to kick them out on Christmas Eve. right? What are you going to do? Do you want to be their landlord? So I'm always cautious when you go down the road of a child and say, oh, I made him sign all this stuff. Good. Like it. Step one's done. But what do you do when they don't pay every other payment, every fifth payment? Maybe they just stop paying. Mom, you understand. You know. Right? And they tell you a story, and it's a legit story. You, you've been there. You know it. Well, what would you do, son, if you owed this money to somebody else? Because that's, that's the way I want you to treat me, and then a little bit better. Whatever you would do, and a little bit better. If I hear anything about you sitting at home watching a football game, if I hear anything about you taking a vacation or a trip, and you owe me money, that's not a good day. That's, that's a bad conversation. Right? Nobody deserves. It's not, it's not your health. Right? I know some of my health friends will, will uh, I don't know, question it. But you can work three jobs for a while. You can work every weekend for a while until you pay me back. Do you have that attitude? If you do, great. If you don't, then just expect to never see it. And expect just like a stray cat, they will come back. Right? They will. They'll come back until you put your foot down. But remember, they know you just like you know them. They know how to manipulate you. They know how to smile. Mom, Grandma. I know it's great. Can I help you take out the trash? Anyway, do you think, you know, I just need $1,000. Right? You have to have that conversation with them that says, this is it. One of the things that, that to this day has shocked me more than almost anything in the financial world is when I had a mom and a son in my office and the, the, the son said, you know, I want, I want mom to give me some money, so I'm here so that you can convince her to give me money. I said, what are you talking about? I'm not going to convince her to give you money. He says, well, she, doesn't, she needs to understand that I will not take care of her when she's older 
If she doesn't give me a loan, then it was a substantial loan, thousands. I said, what? And she said, well, son, I, I can't afford it. This is my entire retirement savings. Well, you're going to spend it anyway. You might as well spend it and give it to me now because I need it. And then I'll take care of you. Oh, that's a bad day. That's a bad day. But I couldn't believe that because without shame, he said that, without any concern for, gosh, I'm going to look like a jerk. And the poor lady was embarrassed, right? We all know when our kids do something silly when they're four years old in the grocery store and you feel bad and, and you feel embarrassed and you do your best and you still deal with the situation, but you know you prefer that this wouldn't happen, screaming and yelling and throwing stuff, whatever they did. But now you have an adult child. Is that not insane? I think it is. So, I, what do I want you to do? If it's a child, you have to be comfortable to never see it again. You might want to start out with small money, pay it back. $500, pay it back. $1,000, pay it back. Whatever number, whatever you're comfortable with. And if they do, and they do what they're supposed to do, they listen, they behave, they, they pay attention, they do what they said they were going to do, they had integrity, then I'm good with that. You can sit down, you can say, hey, we made a plan, they did it, and it fell through. But this is the next part. Please, do not give away your retirement money. Because it is post-tax money, guys, that you're going to have to give them. That's what they want. That's what they need. How are you going to give that to them? You have to pay the taxes on it. Because you know they're never going to pay you back. If it's that child that, that you know, I mean, you, you can say to your friends that and we can all agree and we can believe and we can feel, but you know they're not going to pay you back. They're not bad human beings. They're not evil. They're just not going to pay you back. So please be careful, okay, guys? I don't want you to be in a position to where your retirement money is gone because somebody else spent it. All right. Hey, thanks for listening. A little somber, but I, I think it's important you have this as a, as a component to your life. Total Financial Solutions. I'm Arif Hallaby. 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-997-3847. Thanks for listening. You guys have a wonderful weekend. I'll retire comfortably Thanks to Arif Hallaby. Now every dollar's got a job.